Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. You got a small crowd, offering goes quick, so praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen. Well, you ready to get into this tonight? Good to see you boys out. Man, so glad you're here. My kids aren't here tonight because they're off seeing their teachers. Have you seen your teachers yet? You've already met them? You like them? You going to have a good year? I hear you saying yet, but your brother's being real quiet, so he, not so much so. You meet your teachers yet? No? All right. You looking forward to it? Sure. All right. (laughs) Ah, man. Do you remember when you were in school and you were thinking, golly, I hate school. Got to go to school. Got to get up. And man, when's this year ever going to end? And now when you're an adult, you're thinking, what was I thinking? I mean, I love to go back to school. I mean, carefree, no responsibility. I mean, the, the hardest thing that I had to do was, like, prepare for what I'm going to wear on the weekend. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, golly, those days are long gone. But anyways, praise the Lord. Well, hey, I want to talk to you tonight about the subject of prayer and just the importance of it and just how much of a joy it can be. But to, to get us on course or to get us talking about the subject of prayer, if you will, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and I'll begin reading in verse 7. And there's something to be said for the Word of God or the importance of the the Word of God in our life when it comes to prayer. If you recall last week, we said that the Word of God is God's voice in our lives. And we also challenge you that when it comes to the Word of God, that we don't have to spend hours of time reading the Bible. I think that's what the devil does is he hangs us up thinking, man, if I'm not reading the Bible hours on end, if I'm not just committed getting my nose from cover to cover, then it just don't do any good. But you realize that if we'll just purpose to spend some time, whatever that time is, the Word of God is a living thing and it begins to speak to us and it's the voice of God that begins to talk to us. And you realize that if I just begin to open up the Word of God and begin to read and if I'm listening, God will begin to speak to me. And it's in those times that when God begins to speak to me, and again, it doesn't matter what verse it is, there's always something that God is wanting to communicate to me. And especially when there's things that we're going through, things that we're endeavoring to to trust God in, or maybe there's things that we're facing, God is always looking to speak to us. And so it's in those moments that when the Word of God begins to stand out or it begins to speak to me, I can take that Scripture into prayer and use it as a reference and a platform and a place to pray from by which it gives me confidence and boldness because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if the word of God has ministered to me, I can take that into my time of prayer and say, God, here's what you said. And I want to remind you of what your word says and what you spoke to me through that. And therefore, when I pray, I can begin to have confidence in my fellowship with you. Amen? So in John's gospel, John chapter 15, starting in verse 7, I'm going to read a number of scriptures here or verses. In verse 7, Jesus says this. He says, If you abide in me and my word abides in you, 
you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you'll be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You will, uh, or you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Come on, how many of you know that we are longing for, hungering for, and desiring for our joy to be full? And he says that there is a full measure of joy in this place of abiding with him. And he says, not only is it just a joy that you can experience, he says, the joy that you have that will fill you is actually my joy in you. Come on, how many of you know that it doesn't get any better than that? The joy of the Lord. In fact, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength, right? And he says that I receive that joy in that place of abiding with him. In verse 12, it says, this is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for a friend. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friend for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and anointed you and that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask in the father or ask the father in my name that he'll give it to you and then in verse 17 these things i command you that you love one another so there are several nuggets in that portion of scripture there and we're going to kind of break down a few of them there but to begin with, notice what he says. He says, first of all, if, if you abide in me. That word abide means to dwell with or to really have fellowship with. He says, if you will abide with me and my word abides in you. So there it brings us back to the word of God. There is an abiding or a fellowship that takes place through God's word. And then he goes on to say this. He says, now. When you're abiding with me and my word is abiding in you and it's alive to you and we're having fellowship, he says, you will ask me whatever you desire and I will give it to you. So what does that mean? That simply means that in that place of fellowship, there comes a place of confidence to ask God and have an expectation that God's going to give you what you asked for. But now... We've also got to understand that, now we're talking about prayer, but how many of you know that prayer is not consistent or does not consist of asking God for stuff? But really, that's what most people have made prayer. God can you, God will you, God please, right? We've made God a person that we go to and make requests of, and God has no problem with that. But more importantly, God desires for us just to have fellowship, and the more fellowship that you have, you don't go to God asking for stuff with a hope and a wish. You can ask God knowing that, man, that's my dad. That's my heavenly father. And therefore, he'll give me what I ask of him because he knows the desires of my heart. You know, this past Sunday, 
you know, we got the cafe down there, and so there's uh, cinnamon rolls and muffins and things like that down there and chocolate donuts, and it seems like the kids like them, and especially my son. Well, now, my son has a good relationship with my dad or his grandfather, and so it has just gotten to the point where I think my dad just actually has dollars ready because he knows Carson's going to come and say, Grandpa, you know, you got a dollar? And he's done it for so long that I think my dad has just kind of gotten the dollars ready. And here comes Carson. Here you go. Go get your muffin. Go get your cinnamon roll. Well, why does my son do that or have the confidence to come up and say, hey, Grandpa, can I have a dollar? Well, it's because of the relationship, right? It's because of the fellowship. There's just an expectation that if I go ask my grandpa, my grandpa going to give me a dollar. Well, then I don't know if maybe grandpa didn't have a dollar last week or maybe grandpa ran out of dollars last week. But then later on in the day, I think most people have left. Uh, you know, my son came up to me. He said, hey, dad, you got a dollar? I'm like, no, I don't have a dollar, bud. Well, why did he come to me knowing or asking or making a request of a dollar? It was because he knew that there was a confidence of fellowship because of the relationship. Does that make sense? And so when you come to the Father or you have that fellowship with him, you have the confidence knowing that he's going to give you what you desire. But once again, notice this, is that when you come into that fellowship with God of abiding in him, abiding with him, and the word is abiding in you, then the will of God and the heart of God begins to be revealed. And there's a lot, again, we'll pick it out here in just a moment, but in those verses that we read, it began to expose and to reveal the heart of God. So once again, uh, you know, thinking about a husband and a wife, you know, unfortunately, oftentimes it can be real one-sided, can it? You know, us guys, we can kind of just, Take it for granted our wives are going to wait on us. They're going to take care of us. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. They're going to take care of the kids. They're going to do the dishes. They're going to do the homework, whatever it is, right? But there comes those times, just in those rare moments maybe, when us husbands, you know, we're like, I want to do this for me. But you know what? I'm, rather than doing it for me, I'm going to do something for her. Well, when you do that, what happens? It changes the dynamic of the relationship. It creates a greater intimacy, right? Well, what am I doing? I'm doing something that I know will bless her heart because of the relationship. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about my desires. But it was because I began to know her heart in that moment. I made a request or I did something simply because it was her heart. I wanted to bless her. Does that make sense? And by doing so, the Bible says that Jesus says, my joy will be yours. I will give you my joy. And he says, your joy shall be filled or be full. And so once again, this comes in that place of fellowship with God. It comes with the fellowship of God's word and spending time in his presence. And there are a lot of people that are miserable. And I'm talking about Christians that are lonely, that are discouraged, that are depressed, and they're looking at all the natural things around life that says, I'm not finding myself fulfilled. My joy isn't full. But the Bible tells us that in him, your joy will be full or be filled simply because we abide or have fellowship with him. Amen? 
I, I was talking with somebody just not too long ago. This was a friend of mine. And uh, in talking with him, we were talking about church, and he's never gone to church, but he's got a desire to go to church. And he says, yeah, you know, one day I'll come out and visit you. I said, oh, yeah, man, you ought to come out, you know. And he's like, yeah, he says, I will. He says, you know, but I'm just, I'm praying, I'm just praying for that Christian woman. And I said, yeah. I said, well, well what are you going to do with a Christian? Well, if, you know, if I, if I find a Christian woman, you know, she'll help me, you know, go to church and she'll help me walk the walk. And I'm like, well, you're looking to the woman to be your savior. You're looking to the woman to have the fellowship with, to lead you into fellowship with God. And it don't work that way. In fact, for that matter, God says the roles are reversed. You're the man. You are to lead the woman into the fellowship with God. Right? Does that make sense? But I said that to say that for some reason in his mind, he's thinking that the person, the somebody, is going to connect the dots in his fellowship with God. And it doesn't work that way. God said, Jesus said, if you will abide or fellowship with me, your joy will be full. So that means that when it comes to my relationship with my spouse, because I've had fellowship with God and my joy is full when I come into my relationship with my wife, with my children, I'm not coming with a half-empty cup. I'm not coming to look to them to fill me up. I'm already full and I'm spilling over on them. And therefore, they begin to follow me and experience the fullness of the joy that God has placed in my life because of my fellowship with him. Right? How many people do you know that have kind of just a depressed demeanor about them? Grumpy, mean, whatever it might be. And you start to examine their life. And it might take some time, but if you've ever done that you know people and you're thinking golly why are you that way but then you start talking to them and you start to find out how they were raised in the family that they were raised in and you begin to find out that that's what they came from and therefore that kind of demeanor was just who they are right so just put it on the opposite foot if they came from a house where the joy was full because of the fellowship with God they become people that replicate that and duplicate that because they experience the joy and the fulfillment of joy not because of stuff, not because of things, not because of what we can do, but it's because our joy was full because the leadership of the home had fellowship with God. Amen? All right, with that being said, notice that the Bible says this. Jesus says that you were chosen you were appointed. So in other words, God says, my desire is, and I have chosen you for such a time as this, to be full of joy. You were appointed for such a time as this to have fullness of joy. And also, you were appointed and chosen to have fellowship with me. I was just watching a, a movie with my kids yesterday, and uh, it was that uh, movie... Uh, what's the one I, I, I'm getting? I think it's, is it Bruce Almighty? It was the one where he builds the Noah's Ark kind of thing. Do you remember that show? You know, what is it? 
Evan Almighty, that's right. So Evan, he's, he's a congressman, and finally God has gotten his attention. He says, I'll, I'll surrender, I'll commit, I'll build the ark. And little by little, his facial hair is growing out, and then he's got to wear the robe, and he's trying to shave it off and change his clothes. And finally, one day, he stands up in the middle of the congress floor, and when he does, he finds out that he's standing there in the robe. And so everybody is shocked and amazed that he's, that he's looking this way. And so the, the head senator or whoever might be uh, orchestrating the meeting, he says, you know, what's going on? And so he begins to proceed to tell him the whole story. And then he says, a flood's coming. And so the head guy at the table says, how do you know a flood's coming? And reluctantly and skittishly, he says, God told me. And then the congressman that's at the head of the table, he says, you talk to God? He says, yes. He says, and God talks to you. He says, yes. And then he says, arrest this man, get him out of the floor, get him out of the building. But the question, you talk to God and God talks to you? As though that is a strange, absurd thing. But that is reality. In the life of a believer, God desires to have fellowship with us. And it's not hard. He says he will fellowship with his word and in his presence. Now, for instance, when you begin to study the word of God, and just spending little moments of time in the word of God, you will begin to know what the voice of God sounds like. Because from that place of reading in the word of God, you'll begin to discern the sound of his voice. So therefore, in your daily walk of fellowshipping with him or even spending time in prayer, you will find that there is a similarity. And I'm beginning to discover what God's voice sounds like and how he communicates to me and how he talks to me and how he leads me. And it's not difficult, but it's just merely an opportunity of learning how to fellowship with him. Now, I believe the Lord gave this to me just this afternoon, and hopefully it will kind of uh, connect the dots with you. And I think it's something that we can all uh, resonate with. But just yesterday, we were driving home. Uh, um, no, maybe it was Sunday. We were driving home from Sunday, and I've got that rental uh, vehicle because ours is still in the shop. And so the vehicle has the Sirius radio on it, you know, the, the satellite radio. And so we're flipping through the channels, and it landed on an 80s channel. Well, I grew up in the 80s, you know, and so I grew up listening to all that music. And so all of a sudden, there's this music that's playing from the 80s, and I start singing it. And I'm singing it word for word. But I hadn't heard those songs for 30 years. But all of a sudden, I knew the words, and I was able to sing them. I could even sing like Axl Rose and Guns N' Roses, man. I mean, no, I couldn't. But I'm trying my best, you know what I mean? Why? Because back then, I gave place to the voice of the words that were spoken, and it resonated with me. And for 30 years, it laid dormant on the inside of me till then when the song was played or the sound came, I recognized the sound and I knew the words. So the word of God is the same way. When you give place to the words, they will hold place on the inside of you that begins to resonate the sound of God's voice. Does that make sense? Give you another example in regards to music. Now, if you ever grew up liking somebody or a particular artist or a singer, you begin to identify their voice, right? 
And there have been times over the years, this different individuals <clears throat> or maybe groups that I've liked, and they came out with an album that you, you enjoyed, but then time went on and maybe the years kind of rolled on and you're thinking, golly, man, it'd sure be nice if they come out with a new album or come out with some new music. And you're happening to listen to the radio and you didn't hear the radio announcer say, and this is so-and-so with a brand new song. Here it is. And then you start listening to the song. But you just turned on the radio and you heard the voice along with the music. First time you ever heard the song, but you identified the voice and you're like, ah, oh, they came out with a new album. They came out with a new song. Why? Because you knew the voice. Does that make sense? You identified the voice even though it was a song that you have never heard before, but because you had fellowship or spent time giving place to that voice in your life when you heard it for the very first time, but even though it was a new song, you knew the voice. Why? Because you had time of developing your ear. Again, just another example. You know, my kids, they watch, uh, you know, they'll watch cartoons or something on Netflix or whatever and I don't know if you've done this but there's been times where I've been watching the cartoons with the kids and in the characters I heard the voice of the character and I'm like that's so and so you know what I mean like it's an actor and you're like oh that's got to be them but you know it's this animated character and so then you google it or whatever and you're like sure enough I recognize the voice that was them they were the voice of the character. Well, why? Because you knew or identified a voice. Now, I have no fellowship whatsoever with Tom Hanks or whoever might be the voice of a character. But my ear knows how to pick up the voice. How much more does our spirit or our heart have the ability to hear the voice of God and have fellowship and communion with him and begin to follow him, to abide with him. And in that place of abiding, experience the joy of the Lord. Do you realize that God wants to lead us and direct us? Man, he is so kind and so gentle and so willing to give us insight, to give us wisdom, to give us direction, to give us help, if we would just ask. God, I need some help. I need some direction. Do you realize that he's got wisdom that will set you on fire? That will set the, the, the course of your life in a whole new direction? What was it? Uh, Washington uh, uh, Carver, Washington or Washington Carver, um, way back when? He, he was praying to God, and it was during the, the Great Depression years, I believe it was. And he says, God, he says, will you show me the mysteries of the universe and God said to him, he says, your pea brain doesn't have the capability of knowing the mysteries of the universe. And he says, well, God, then show me the mysteries of the peanut. And if you know anything about him, he was the one that they credited for saving the South because of all the inventions that he had by using peanuts. Amen? And it's just simply having fellowship with God. There was a, a minister friend... Uh, that uh, we were just listening to her just the other day. Her husband passed away uh, several years back. I think it was back in uh, like 2013 is when he passed away. Got in a plane crash. And 
he was a traveling minister and was very successful. But in addition to that, he had had real estate uh, things that he did. And so there was a lot of stuff that he had on the table that she was unaware of. And so once he passed, she said to her, 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 her staff, she says, you know, we got to tie up some loose ends and find out what's going on and figure out just what kind of things he had, you know, extended out there. And so there was this one particular thing that they discovered and the secretary came in and she goes, oh, by the way, she said, we found this real estate thing and $500,000 is due at the end of July. Now, she's like, I don't have $500,000. She goes, I didn't even know that we had this thing going on. And so she said, I went and I began to pray. And she says, God, what do we do about this thing? And God said, just wait. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never had to also believe for like $500,000. Now, well, I guess we have with, this, with church. So I guess it's, it's applicable. But, but put, put yourself in that place. I mean, a huge number that it's due in just a matter of a few weeks. And you're like, where in the world were we going to get that kind of money? And so she said, God said, just wait. And so she said, I just waited. I knew what God said, and we just waited. And so she came back a little bit later, and she said, okay, God, I've been waiting. And she said, now, um, that's all well and good, but there's something that's coming up here, and, and I would like an answer. And so God didn't say anything to her, and so she ended up going to the bank and was, had a conversation with him, and whatever, it, it wasn't going to work out. They said, we can't do it, or again, whatever the case was. And so she went back to prayer and says, okay, God, I went to the bank, and this didn't work, and now the money is due. And it was the day before that the bank called her back and says, hey, listen, there are some things that have changed, some things that have opened up, and the $500,000 just came clear. And in that moment, everything was paid off. Nothing due, nothing owed. It was just supernatural. Now, once again, I'm, I'm asking you, are you at that place where you can say $500,000? No sweat. No problem. God's got it. I don't know if you would be there, but I think I'd probably be sweating some bullets. <laughs> right? But I'm telling you, there's a place where we can get in a place of fellowship with God where when the mountains seem too big, when it seems impossible, when we get into that place where joy, peace, and rest is because we're fellowshipping with God, God says, hey, just wait. Okay. God, you said, wait. I've got peace on the inside because I know your voice. Now, you know your flesh and your thoughts and your mind is screaming, but inside you can say, no, I've got joy. I've got peace because I know what God said. Amen? Listen to this. I want to share this with you. This is concerning the presence of God. I said that there's the word of God that will give us direction, that will give us the ability to hold on to our faith. But the Bible also talks about the presence of God, and that's where that abiding comes in. In fact, here's what the Bible says. Let me, let me turn there real quick. In Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. I'll get there sooner or later. 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace or into the presence of God to obtain mercy and to find grace and help in the time of need. Did you hear what it said? Let us come boldly to the throne or into the presence of God to obtain mercy and grace. That grace is, first of all, God's unmerited favor and it is also God's ability to do what you can't do in your strength. Let us come boldly to the grace to obtain. So notice when we saw over there in John, the Bible says when you come and abide, you can ask. But the Bible also says when you come and abide, you just receive. Nowhere did it say that you had to ask for anything. It says when you come boldly and just get into his presence, it says that mercy and grace is there in the time of need. So in other words, you get it just by hanging out with him. Amen? Come on, how many of you know you get a whole lot more confident when somebody big standing up against you and you've got three people standing with you? <laughs> what do you got to say now? But when they turn around and take off on you and it's just you and the big guy, it's like, hey, <laughs> can we talk about this, right? But no, when I've got somebody in my presence, I've got boldness because now it's not just my strength. I've got backup power. And that's what we do when we abide in God's presence. We come into his presence to obtain. Now, this is a prophecy that was given back in 2005, August 26, 2005. And it was a word that was given uh, by Brother Kenneth Copeland. And it's talking about the presence of the Lord. And here's what the Spirit of God said. He says, if you will begin to practice my presence, you'll develop an ear to my voice, and we can communicate with one another. And I can bring peace and joy into your lifestyle and into your everyday living that is beyond anything that you have any idea right now that has been available to you. I am more than willing, says the Lord, and I am looking for someone who has an ear to hear. If you will commit your inner ear or your spirit ear, if you will commit to hear my voice within you, I will train you in it. I will walk you through and I will show you things to come. This is the time when you need to know my voice. This generation will know and will follow my voice beyond any before it. And it will come to the place where the miraculous is commonplace in your presence, says the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. So see, the Spirit of God has been trying to get us into a place of understanding that all I've got to do is abide in the presence of God. But how many of you know that I've got a purpose to position myself there? It doesn't just happen. Seeing kids, it just made me think of my own kids. Every year and oftentimes with your children, you're like, you know, man, we just need to be more intentional to grow as a family. Yada, yada, yada. I'm sure every parent said that, still says it. And so this summer, we said, you know, we're going to be more intentional with building our family and just doing life together. And we've done that. But you know, it is now the last week before they go to school. They go back to school on Monday. And I'm starting to think, golly, we could have done better. 
we could have had more fellowship. And now they're going back to school and it's getting back into the busyness of life. Well, in order for that to happen, there's been every single night that my kids have been in the same house that I've been in. They're in the same rooms that I'm in. But if I think back and think of how many days in the last summer months have I been extremely intentional to have fellowship? You see, we can just be in the same room but have no fellowship. You've got to be intentional. The same thing is true with God. We've got to be intentional. God, I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my, the, the Word of God. I'm going to read my Bible. And in doing so, when I do that, I begin to abide in Him. Can you say amen? amen? All right. So let me give you just a couple more things before I let you go here. In regards to having that fellowship with God, spending time in prayer. Prayer is not just giving our prayer request. Our fellowship with God or our prayer life is really the lifestyle of, again, knowing Him and having that fellowship. But if I'll learn the voice of God and have confidence in that voice, if I'll have confidence in my abiding with him that I, I know his presence and in his presence I receive and obtain mercy and grace just because I'm intentional with hanging out with him, it will begin to give me boldness when I face adversity. But nevertheless, I still have to be intentional. Now, Let me just get to this. I gave, had a number of scriptures here. When I come into God's presence, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, I'm going to read it from the Amplified. Just because I come into God's presence doesn't mean that everything in my life is perfect. In fact, for that matter, everything could be just falling apart. But the Bible says that if I'll get into his presence, there's joy. Well, why is there joy in his presence? Because we see here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Casting all your care, all your anxiety, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, for he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Amen. So I'll come into his presence. Now, my wife knows me better than I know myself. I can come into the room and she's like, what's up? What's the matter? What's going on with you? Straighten up. Stop it, right? I mean, she just knows me, right? All right, so just because I'm purposing to have fellowship with God, because I'm a person, I'm sure there's times that we bring in our stuff into the presence of God. But God says, now listen, I don't want you to bring that stuff in here and let it contaminate our fellowship. He says, now when you come in here, I'm going to give you joy. But there's going to be an exchange here. I'm going to give you my joy, and it's going to fill you up. But you've also got to empty yourself with something, and you've got to empty yourself with the cares that you brought in here. And he says, now you cast your cares and give them to me. Why? Because when I make the exchange, that's when I get carefree. When all the burdens get lifted off of me and, and then he takes them. And what do I take in return? I take his joy. And the Bible says that he makes that exchange because it says that he's concerned, that he cares about me, that he has deep affection for me. 
and he watches over me very carefully. Amen? Let me give you another one. This one's in Psalms 37, verse 5. He says this. He says, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him also that he'll do it. Commit my ways to him. So I'm coming into his presence, and when I do so, I'm saying, God, I'm giving it to you. I'm committing it to you. Amen. And then in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6, verse 6 and 7, once again in the Amplified, it says it this way. It says, do not be anxious or worried about anything. Now, let's just stop right there. Don't be anxious. Don't be full of anxiety or worried about the big things. Some things. The things that you know that you can't handle. No, the Bible says, don't be anxious or worried about anything. Have you ever noticed that it's the little things that can turn into big things? Simply because we've worried about it. We've thought about it. We've played with it. We've talked about it. And oftentimes we've made it bigger than what it ever was even intended on being. Just simply because we worried. He says, don't be worried. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, every circumstance, every situation, by prayer and petitioning with thanksgiving, continue to make yourself uh, continue to make your specific request known to the Lord and the peace of God, that peace which uh, reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus is yours. Amen. So, when you say, well, you know what, if you was going through what I do, you'd be worried too. No, there is no excuse. There is no excuse, there is no occasion for you to say this is a good time to worry. He says, in anything and everything, cast all your cares upon him because I care about you. And he says, now, if you've given it to me, let me handle it. Stop taking it on yourself. Stop worrying about it. Stop being concerned about it. Don't be anxious for anything but in everything. And he says, now, in everything, make your request known. All right, so what are you making known? God, I need some answers here. I need some direction here. I need you to move here. And then it says, once I make my request known, it says, now, with thanksgiving. Well, why in the world would I begin to thank God? Because I've given it to him. I've made my request. But remember what we read over there in John chapter 15? He says, whatever things you ask when you desire, he said, I'll do it. I'll do it. Just make your request and I'll do it. So that means that once I've made my request here, I've rolled my cares, I don't have to be anxious anymore. In fact, I can get happy because the joy of the Lord starts raise, rising up on the inside and I begin to thank God. Oh, thank you. The answer is on the way. I thank you that that mountain's crumbling. I thank you that that situation's changing. I thank you that, 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 that the, the direction or the course of where things were headed, it's going in the different direction now. Why? Because I've asked it, I've made my, my, my I've asked it, I've asked and made my petition, and therefore I'm thankful. And then the Bible says that when I begin to thank God, it says that the peace of God meets me. So in other words... There is a constant give and take of fellowship. See, once again, we always want the answer. We always want the joy. We always want the peace. We always want the, 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 
situation to change. But God says, now, there's an abiding. Now, when you abide, make your request. But now, when you make your request, he says, I'm going to give you joy. And it's going to be full. But now, once you get my joy, he says, now, you start giving thanks. And when you start giving thanks, I'm going to give you my peace. And when I give you my peace, now, we've got the answers. Amen? I'm talking about fellowship and abiding with him. Getting into the presence of God. But we've got to be intentional. And if we're not intentional, we'll live life just like every other person that just goes through the motions. See, you don't have to be that person where that governor says, you talk to God and God talks to you. Yep. It's how we roll around here because we know him. And he knows us, and we're on first-name basis. In fact, we're real close. We're tight. And everywhere I go, man, God's telling me something. God's giving me direction. And therefore, we don't fret. We don't worry. Amen. And if you're facing something right now, if you're saying, God, I don't know how this is going to turn, you don't have to carry it. And God says, don't try to change it. Give it to me. And you'll find that there's peace and joy. That comes. Just give him thanks. Amen? Amen. All right, that's all I got for you tonight, or at least all I'm going to give you tonight. But with that being said, anybody learn anything tonight? Throw it back on you. See what you got. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life